Are you seeking fulfillment for your life? Do you want freedom from fear? That's why we're here. Welcome to Jesus 101, introducing you to the real Jesus. And now, here's your host, Elizabeth Talbot with Mike Tucker. I'm Mike Tucker. And I'm Elizabeth Talbot. You're right, Elizabeth. I was born and raised in Texas, but and even though in my normal speech at times you'll you'll catch a, a just a hint of a Texas accent or something, you know, it's it's there, and I can turn it on though more when I need to because there are times when I'm talking to people from Texas who really don't trust anyone who sounds like they're from the north. Mm. And if you turn on just a hint of a Texas accent, all of a sudden they begin to identify with you because they don't like the people from the north, but they will accept someone who comes from their region of the country. You know, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because sometimes we build stereotypes around yeah. accents. and, and uh, Oh, sure. And there are those who view people with a southern accent as not being as smart as others, although that's not true, but they just judge it based on the accent itself, whereas people from the south may view those from the north with a, a more of a northern accent as being rude or impersonal or or angry people. And that's not true either, but still the accent itself can give you away and can cause a stereotype to grow in your head. Yes, you know, I have obviously a Hispanic accent and I have uh, Mm -hmm. gone through things like this uh, quite often actually where people stereotype you know, if you're Hispanic, then you must be like this or like mm-hmm. that or eat spicy food, which I don't because I'm from Argentina and we don't have spicy food. And so people think in a certain way just because you come from a certain area. And it's kind of sad because some people actually hate people from another oh, area yes. just because they come from there. Don't even know you, but they already hate you or they view you in a very negative way because of the region of the country or the region of the world from which you hail. All of a sudden, they don't like you simply because of that. That's right. And today we're going to see a part of this narrative that we've been following in Mark chapter 6 and chapter 7, and and we will do chapter 8 in the upcoming programs, we come to a place where Jesus is going to actually do a breakthrough because Mm -hmm. he's about to go now to what he would have been um, considered unclean and impure territory. Now, if you remember, we have had a whole talk about what is pure and impure in chapter 7, and all of a sudden you see Jesus going to one of the most hated regions for Israel on verse 24 of chapter 7 of Mark. There really is a logic and a genius to the construction of this gospel. He sets the scene with the story and then comes back with another story which builds upon the premise of the first story. Absolutely, because the gospel writers are really theologians mm-hmm. that are trying to give a message, not just a biography of Jesus, but they're actually putting things together to affect the reader. So, based on this theme of clean and unclean, we come to verse 24 of chapter 7. And from there, he arose and went away to the region of Tyre. And when he entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it, yet he could not escape notice. Okay, the first thing we got to talk about is this region of Tyre. Uh, very few regions were as hated by the Israelites as the region of Sidon and Tyre. Mm-hmm. What happened was it was a king in their history that married a princess from Tyre and Sidon who actually became... Um, an activist for Baal worship and kind of led the whole people of Israel astray. And this is something very sad in their history. It was a very, very sad chapter of the history of the Israelites. And she became a very hated woman. She was a ruthless woman. And uh, so now her name kind of bore a very negative connotation to them. And that is the name Jezebel. 
Uh, we find the story of Jezebel, and uh, just a little side from it here in, in 1 Kings chapter 16, uh, verse 29. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, uh, became king over Israel in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who went before him. And it came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. He married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians, and went to serve Baal and worshipped him. And Jezebel became um, not just a wife to the king, but she uh, wanted to convert all of Israel to Baal worship. And this is one of the very sad parts of Israel history. So when somebody would mention Tyre or Sidon, everybody would go, oh, you yeah. know, this is, mm-hmm. this is a, a hated area. Mm-hmm. How, how could it be that Jesus would be crossing over to Tyre uh, and for what purpose? And so we have, this is the setting, and all of a sudden we see this uh, woman in this unclean place coming to talk to Jesus, which most of the disciples wouldn't have thought of. I mean, no. how would Jesus talk to this woman? No, they, they would not have mentioned anything to her. They would not have responded to her. They would have thrown her out, basically. Verse 25, but after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. We find that word immediately quite often in Mark's mm-hmm. gospel, don't we? Verse 26, now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Now, this verse is what we call a crescendo of demerit. Mm -hmm. Everything about this woman is getting worse and worse. First, she's a woman, which is already an outcast. That's bad enough in this this setting. In this setting. And then uh, the actual actual original says she was a Greek Mm -hmm. and of the Syrophoenician race. So you're getting worse and worse as the verse goes. You know, a woman, a Greek of the Syrophoenician race, and she's coming to ask Jesus for a favor. Now, don't forget that we've been having a whole narrative on bread. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we see Jesus engaging this woman in a riddle about bread in verse 27. And he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, this might seem so harsh, yeah. but for Israel, the people that were outside those boundaries would we're, have come be considered dogs. They're dogs, yeah. Yes, and they were less than people for them. Now, don't forget that this narrative started when the children of Israel were being fed bread in the miracle of the 5,000. And the numbers of that miracle were 5 and 12, which were the numbers for Israel for mm-hmm. the 12 tribes and 5 because of the Torah. And they had been satisfied. We had this word that they all ate and were satisfied. Mm-hmm. And that had already happened. Now we're having a breakthrough event where we have this talk. And Jesus says, well, the children had to be satisfied first, which has already happened in Mark. Mm-hmm. And she won't argue with that. She won't ask for the first place. In fact, her response is extremely wise and extremely gracious, if you ask me. But she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. Now, that's an incredible response from this woman, but it does, in part, I think, show the level of desperation she had come to for her daughter. She would take any abuse, she would take any perceived insult, ignore it, because she's got one goal in mind, and that is to get this child healed. Healed. See, most scholars believe that this story is the breakthrough event in the Gospel of Mark, Mm -hmm. when uh, the Gospel supersedes the scope that anybody thought it had. 
Uh, of course, this will be revealed later in the gospel when Jesus um, will reveal that the bread has to do with his body, mm-hmm. that he sacrifices for people outside uh, Israel as well as those inside. And here uh, she seems to be, I mean, you're thinking that it's a Greek, a woman, a Syrophoenician yeah. race. You think she's not going to have any insight. And she keeps the riddle going. Mm-hmm. She's so insightful. She understands the riddle and she plays off of it as well. Even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. I just want a crumb. If you just give me a crumb, that'll be enough for my daughter. Yeah, yeah. The, the children can have the bread first. Mm-hmm. I just want a little bit, whatever's left I, over. I don't want to rob from anyone, just a crumb from my daughter. Verse 29, and he said to her, because of this answer, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, the demon having departed. Wow. This, um, this story, even though it's a miracle story, is about something much deeper than the miracle because the miracle is almost an afterthought. You only yeah. get like a verse saying, oh, by the way, she was healed. Yeah, by the way, this happened. This story is the breakthrough dialogue where we realize that salvation is truly for all, for those in this side of the lake and for those on the other side of the lake. And of course, the next story that we're going to see tomorrow is now the feeding of the 4,000 in Gentile territory that now are receiving bread. Basically, it's telling us that the gospel is even for those who have previously been deemed to be impure, broken, worthless, outcast, nobodies. The gospel is for everyone. And anytime that you've seen yourself in that light, the gospel is for you. Jesus has made this clear through this story and elsewhere. The gospel is for everyone, even those who think that I am absolutely worthless. My sins are so dark, God could never forgive me. How could he ever work through me? How could he ever love me? The gospel is for you as well. You know, if it wasn't for the story, I would question if the gospel was for me. Hmm. You know, this is one of those stories where all the boundaries are broken. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, there is no boundaries. There's no ethnic, no religious, no social political boundaries for the gospel. The gospel is for everyone. And mm-hmm. some of these words that are being used highlight the fact that everyone is included in the kingdom of God. Everyone. Regardless of the nationality, it's for, it's for Texans, it's for Southerners, and it's for Yankees. All of them, <laughs> the gospel is for everyone. And those, those prejudices that we have, God knows nothing of because Jesus died to save everyone. Yes, you know, this was something hard for the religious people to accept. Even Peter was struggling all the way through the book of Acts until God showed him a mm-hmm. vision that he should not call any person unclean. And many of us have called other people that don't believe like us unclean or impure or like they're less than mm-hmm. us. And Jesus says, absolutely no way. No boundaries. Uh, no one is so bad that God can't save them. And regardless of who you are and where you come from, he says, you're not imperfect. You're not impure. You're not beyond salvation. I love you exactly as you are. And I've died to save you. And if you believe that your life has been a crescendo of demerit, we have good news for you. Jesus offers you bread and the bread is his broken body and his blood that he has shed for you. Salvation is for you. Thank you for joining us today on Jesus 101. For more insights and resources, connect with us at Jesus101.tv. That's Jesus101.tv. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Jesus 101 Institute and follow us on Twitter at Jesus 101 Media. Until next time, live free. Woo-hoo!